0: This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. It is six minutes after four o'clock and ready to go with another edition of the Employment Hour. Phone's already uh, open for you to call through and have your say, ask your questions about your job, uh, your employment, past employment, something you're looking at, maybe an employment contract contract. Maybe you've got some issues at work with a boss or a colleague. Uh, Bring it all on. It's all uh, open here for you to ask questions to Leah and get them answered, at least get the ball rolling on this show for the uh, the next hour here 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell we'll get the tips for uh company summer parties i'm not talking about the tips you put in the jar i'm talking about the tips to keep <laughs> yourself uh free and out of trouble we'll get to those tips here in just a bit because hey it is summertime a lot of boat cruises and stuff happening around so we'll uh, we'll discuss that first though my friend the uh the week that was what do you got uh, what do you got going on
1: Well, lots as usual. John, thanks. Um, And I'm kind of raring to go this week. Just want to get right into it. Um, As you know, anyone who's listened to this show before, you know that I'm an employment lawyer here in Vancouver. And uh, every week we do this show, The Employment Hour, in order to primarily take people's calls about their employment issues, any kind of issue that arises in the workplace, but also a bit to talk about My practice and just give information about, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what you can expect as an employee in the workplace and what you can expect as an employer and what your obligations are. And we start uh, every week uh, with the week that was, which is uh, essentially just a snapshot of what I do in any given week, the various files, the various clients, or the people that I speak to on a daily basis that come across my desk um, and just start the show talking about their experiences and how uh, I was able to to either resolve the problem for them or how what they had to say reminded me right. of something that I feel is important to get across to other people and that is where this first one kind of slots in um, I had a woman call me last week uh, quite frantic and, and understandably um, she was uh, she's a receptionist and in a fairly busy office downtown and she was told that her uh, $30 an hour wage is being reduced to $20 effective Ooh. Monday, tomorrow, actually. Um, yeah, I mean, and she was so upset about it, and understandably. And, you know, I think that she otherwise would have just thought that this was something that she didn't really have a choice about. She's been with the company for 10 right. years. She's always been treated well. And the uh, her boss told her that, you know, this is something that we have to do because, business is slow. We don't get as many people coming through our doors in the summertime and we've got to cut something or else we're going to let you go. And I find that that's always the, that's always the the magic line that employers throw yeah. out is, you know, we're making this change for you. So we don't have to <laughs> fire you. And nice. that, that could be true in their minds, but a lot of employers, as we know, also don't know what their obligations all are, also aren't getting legal advice. And in this case, no matter how good the intentions are, you cannot just do that to somebody. No. You cannot reduce somebody's wage that significantly uh, or even moderately significantly. You know, Usually when we're looking at about a 10, 15, 20% decrease in earnings, uh, that can affect what I'm going about to talk about, which is a constructive dismissal. Yep. Um, Unless a a company or your employer has in an enforceable contract the ability and the reservation of a right to reduce your wage. So unless your contract specifically says, we the company reserve the right or can do this at any time, we can reduce your wages in the event of slow economic times unless it says something like that, or unless there's a history of you agreeing to these wage reductions in the past, they cannot do that. And it doesn't matter that times are tough. It doesn't matter that it's the winter season or, you know, that, that, you know, like this particular company said, uh, there just aren't very many people coming through the door anymore. They cannot do that. That effectively is a constructive dismissal. And What's interesting, and this is uh, there's a trial I'm doing uh, Tuesday and Wednesday that involves something similar, where uh, this individual didn't have his wages necessarily reduced. Okay. He was just moved from a standard base salary to the kind of structure that was contingent upon production. So it wasn't exactly a commission structure, but it was something very similar to that. So you're going from an assured, guaranteed, predictable and consistent base salary mm-hmm. to something that is none of those things, right? Yeah. And the point that the employer makes is, well, you have the ability to earn at least what you are making on salary and possibly more if you apply yourself. Our courts in BC have said repeatedly that that is still a constructive dismissal. So you don't even necessarily need that reduction from thirty dollars an hour to twenty dollars an hour to show that you've been terminated or you've been constructively dismissed. You just need that change to be substantial enough to your compensation that you can say, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is not what we agreed to. This is this has never been a term of our, of our uh, arrangement of our employment relationship, and I'm not okay with this." And that's yep. the, the most important takeaway from from this, uh, from this example, from these, com- from this conversation is that you do not have to accept it. What can you do? What can you do in these situations? This is what I was walking this woman through this week. You can accept the change. Okay. You can say, you know what? I would love the opportunity to earn 30 cents or 30% of everything that I bring in, you know, bring it on. I've got no kids. I'm cool with doing this. I'm, I'm yeah. raring to go. Um, so you can accept it or, you know, there's, I, I've had some individuals call me who are gearing up for uh, a retirement and wanted to reduce their work to part-time anyway. So, you know, the reduction in wages just kind of goes along with that to a certain extent. Um, you know, there are lots of personal reasons why somebody might accept a change and you can do that. One important thing to keep in mind is that, Um, You don't have to explicitly accept the change in order to have your actions be legally construed as an acceptance of the change. So what I mean by that is uh, if you end up under the new structure for two or three months and you don't raise any kind of objection to that compensation change in that period of time, then you may be construed to have legally accepted that change. Okay. If you don't accept the change explicitly or implicitly, then your other option is to essentially treat it as a termination of employment. And if you treat it as a termination of employment, then you are entitled to severance. And importantly, you are entitled to severance at your original compensation scheme, right? So in the end, it's so important for employees to know that when it comes to those terms that are essential, like. Your compensation. Mm-hmm. But you know, other things that are critical to your employment as well, like your position or your location, your duties, uh, things like that, your employer cannot just change those whenever they feel like it. And you do have options, which can include collecting what could be a sizable severance. So, always important to speak to a lawyer if these kinds of things happen to you.
0: And I guess one of the pitfalls to that is if if this person does accept this change, well, then now you've kicked the door open for the employer to do it again. Now maybe they reduce you by another thirty percent. and you yes. can't do anything about it at that point, right?
1: yeah, that's the that's the scariest thing about it. And that yeah. is it's it's so unfortunate because people who are put in that position of having this term of their employment changed on them, they're yeah. almost in a position where they need legal advice, right? Because, yeah even if you decide to accept it you need to make sure that you're accepting it in such a way that you are not agreeing to future changes right and the biggest example of that is with, is with layoffs is with temporary layoffs if you allow your employer to place you on a temporary layoff once and then you accept a uh, a recall then your employer can then argue that they can lay you off whenever they want. That's an accepted term of employment that you mm-hmm. agreed to and you accepted when you agreed to that first layoff. And, you know, this is a totally different topic, but of course, layoffs, temporary layoffs are also constructive dismissals. That is right. essentially the same thing as saying, you know, you were earning $50,000 a year as compensation and now for the next 13 weeks we want you to earn zero. Of course, you know, you're going from 100% to 0%. That is a constructive dismissal and you are permitted to treat it as such. But no, it's a great point, John. You have to be aware of the fact that if you accept those changes, you might be starting your employer at the top of a slippery slope.
0: Plenty of time for you to call in and ask your questions here. Leah is ready to answer 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. Email address, by the way, is simply help at employmenthour.com. And if you've not checked it yet to find out uh, what your severance should be, the proper number, not the number that the ministry will give you, that is severancepaycalculator.com. As we get uh, to some phone calls here in just a few minutes, you want to uh, discuss another uh Another um, a case, or at least something you're working on, is that it uh, pertains to human rights, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. exactly it. And this mm. is again in, in that vein of something that kind of came across my desk that reminded me of how important it is to get information out there. Right. Um, this was a, a woman who had started her maternity leave and very shortly after starting her maternity leave um, was advised that she was passed over for a promotion that she was otherwise in line for and this is not one of those things where you know she thought that it was just the the next easy step for in the progression this was something that she was explicitly told and once she announced that she was pregnant you know, things, the attitude in the workplace started to change Uh and people stopped including her in the meetings. Um, and she, and you know, once she finally went on maternity leave, she ended up finding out that, uh, that she in fact did not get the promotion. Um, so she didn't contact me at the beginning of her maternity leave because she just thought, well, you know, that's fine. I, I, Maybe I'll get the next one and right. I'll just return to the job that that I left. The problem is that when she came back a year later, they didn't have her old position open for her and they put her into another role that was a demotion. And she's obviously very upset about this. Yep. So I, I'm helping her. We are uh, in touch with the company to claim, again, what we just spoke about before the break, a constructive dismissal because a constructive yep. dismissal can also occur when you've been demoted. And, you know, she understandably, she wants to have more kids. She doesn't really trust this company to uh, keep her on the trajectory she thought she was going forward. Excuse me. So she actually now wants to just leave. And so I'm helping her to obtain that severance that she's entitled to. It's the human rights code complaint that I actually think is the biggest piece. Okay. Um, you know, the fact that she was passed over for the promotion, that as soon as she announced that she was pregnant, the attitude in the workplace started changing. The problem is that this happened over a year ago. This happened at, when she announced that she was pregnant and then it officially sort of manifested, it crystallized right. into her actually being passed over um, it, about, about 13 or 14 months ago. In BC, the limitation period for bringing a human rights code complaint is one year.
0: Right. And so
1: if you miss that limitation period, then you are unfortunately out of luck. You can no longer bring your complaint. There are narrow grounds on which you can apply to the human rights tribunal to, um, to have it reviewed to see if you can still bring your claim, but they are very, very narrow. And you do have to undertake that initial application. So she missed it. She just didn't know. And it made me think that, you know, again, there's not a lot of information out there on this. So I thought the chance today was to get a little bit of that information out there. And for those who don't know, the Human Rights Code is a piece of legislation in BC that prevents discrimination in employment, it also prevents it in, you know, housing and services. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, if you're getting your hair cut or if you feel like you're being discriminated against in with respect to tenancy issues um, then that the human rights code also kicks in but for our purposes for the employment hour, it's not the haircut hour it was right. this is <laughs> yeah it's in relation not to your for a bald job. guy like
0: me it's no good i wouldn't be hosting this show
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so um, you know what what constitutes discrimination in the workplace what constitutes mm-hmm. employment discrimination and i think that one of the key things to keep in mind is that discrimination is not being mistreated or being adversely treated. It is, but it has to be tied to what are known as enumerated grounds okay. and enumerated grounds is a fancy way of just saying, uh, there are certain protected characteristics under the code that you cannot be mistreated on account of. Right? So we've got your gender, your, uh, your race, your ethnicity, your religion, your, uh, disability, mental or physical, sexual orientation, all of that are things, those things are protected under the Human Rights Code. And so if you feel like you are being discriminated against, like you're being adversely treated because of one of those grounds, then that is discrimination under the Human Rights Code. Right. Very, very rarely will it be explicit, right? Very rarely do you see a situation where you know in this case, no one said to this woman, "You're not actually getting this promotion because you got pregnant." And I'm so sorry, but we don't like pregnant people, right? And and certainly that's not going to be in writing. No. So, oh, oh, and a lot of people think, well, if I don't have that text message, if I don't have that email that says, you know, I didn't hire you because you're black, then I can't prove that the mm-hmm. my being passed over was because of my race. But our human rights tribunal accepts and understands that that racism sexism ableism you know all of the isms all of the discrimination under the human rights code is often going to be a situation where you have to read into circumstances yes right so in this particular situation this woman was a rising star she was getting fabulous performance reviews she was invited to like i said all of the important senior meetings um you know she was she was brought into important projects and then she announces she's pregnant and then all of a sudden the invitations stop and you know obviously no one has said we're not inviting you to this meeting because you're pregnant but it's just the optics wise it's Felt hard like outcast, to draw right? Exactly, exactly yeah. it's, it's yeah. really hard to draw any other conclusion other than the fact that her announcing that she's pregnant the fact that she was now going away in six months on leave was a factor in this mistreatment, in this isolation in the workplace, and you know it's it's the same all around, right? I mean, you can you can sort of read into things. If you tell your boss that you have a heart issue that might require surgery, and you're fired the next day, this was, by the way, another gentleman that I that wow. I no yeah kidding. recently dealt with, oh my gosh. right? That's 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 pretty obvious, right? Yep. The, the boss actually visited this guy in the hospital to take away his Canucks season tickets that he had to the Excellent, nice guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, here are your flowers. Exactly. And give me back the tickets. So, you know, the chronology can be, can be huge. And also the other circumstances. If people are laid off, but the only people who appear to have been fired are over the age of 60, maybe there's some ageism going on. Yeah. Right? So, you know, people are constantly concerned about how you prove it. And I think that it's important to consider the fact that, the Human Rights Tribunal is, is adjudicated by and run by people who are very attuned to the fact that these are often implicit, very sort of underground issues. And they can read into situations, they can read into people's attitudes. Um, another important thing to keep in mind is that it, your enumerated ground, so your race, your age, your sex, et cetera, mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the whole reason you've been fired or doesn't have to be the whole reason that you've been passed over promotion. It okay. can just be a fraction of the reason. If it's even you know, 1%, and I mean that, if it's even the smallest, minute, most minuscule amount of the reason why you're at the receiving end of this mistreatment... That can be discrimination under the code. It wow. might result result in less damages to you at the end of the day, but it still can constitute discrimination. So,
0: so generally, key- if, I mean, if, if your spidey sense is going off in this regard, you're in this situation. It's at least worth a phone call and pursuing. See if you're in the ballpark, right?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and oh. thank you for making my point for me because the key here is, you know, if you feel like something just feels wrong and that the basis of that feeling has something to do with one of those enumerated grounds that we were talking right. about, you know, speak to a lawyer just because, you know, oftentimes I'll, coach people into not baiting their employers but you know at least starting to paper the file so that you've got something substantial uh, in which to make your make your complaint Um, and the most important thing is that you only have a year right so with most civil claims you've got two years but in this case in with the Human Rights Tribunal uh, it used to be six months it's recently changed to one year so if you don't file within those 12 months then you may be out of luck
0: and it's always worth mentioning, when like anything that we talk about on the show, whether it's like anything to do with human rights and discrimination, or you think you're getting fired, just send emails, write, make notes for your end, because it, if it's if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. That's the general rule, right? So you got to make sure you paper your file, as you say.
1: Yeah. Always make sure to paper the file. But I, I, you know, I will say that I think that for sensitive issues such as this, um, for, you know, discrimination complaints and, and, Mm -hmm. and any kind of issue under the human rights code, it's, you don't even, it's, it's, that would be great to have, and I can absolutely coach you through it, but it's, it's not necessary because the tribunal members are really willing to look at the circumstances of the situation to read in possible discrimination.
0: You sure are. It's uh, 4.33. Still plenty of time for you to call in, ask your questions to Lee about your job, your employment, anything under that banner that we talk about week in, week out here on the show. It is 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. In that regard, get to uh, get to Rob. Hey, Rob, thanks for hanging on, fella. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, sir. What's, uh, what's your concern? What,
2: what would be a severance for uh, someone that's been let go after 20 years uh, at their job to do a restructuring
1: well um, Rob 20 years is a long time to be with one employer um, can you tell me a bit about the job that you had as well or the, the individual that we're discussing
2: it's a it's, a, it's an accountant job and um, yeah it's an accountant job
1: okay and how old is the particular employee that we're we're talking about
2: 69
1: hmm. okay If there is uh, no employment contract that's in play here, so there's no uh, agreement or letter or contract of any kind that very specifically sets out the parameters for what somebody is entitled to, and often when I see individuals who are employed for 10 or 15 years or more, there's usually not. So we can operate on the presumption that there's no contract or an agreement. You are looking at likely 20 to 24 months of severance. Okay. Okay, and that includes all components of your severance as well. So not just severance or not just your salary, but also, um, you know, any damages that you might suffer or the employee might suffer as a result of the termination of the benefits program, you know, pension contributions, if they're paying uh, the employee's MSP, all of those things need to be compensated for over that 20 to 24-month period. So somebody who's working for 20 years, 69 years old, we're talking about pretty significant entitlements, about as high as they can get under the common law in B.C. Yeah, thank you very much. You're very welcome.
0: Thanks, Rob. Appreciate that. If you want to uh, reach out further, more information off air, 604-283-3123. Again, Rob, that's 604 283 3123 and help at employmenthour.com. And for the remainder of the time, the number to call in, just like Rob did moments ago, 604-280-9898 or star nine eight nine eight on your cell will do just fine. Yeah, tips for company summer parties. Uh, an interesting uh, time for this topic, huh?
1: Yeah, I know. Normally we cover it um, at Christmas, you know, because the uh, holiday parties are such a, right. a big one. But, man, John, I have just been getting... The weirdest calls over the last <laughs> couple of weeks about summer parties just gone horribly. It's keeping me in business right now. The things That's that are right. happening at summer parties in Vancouver. Um, so I thought this could probably this might result in a diminishment of my workload. But you know it's important that people understand that there are guidelines and rules that apply with respect to summer parties. So I thought we'd talk about a couple tips today.
0: You bet. First one uh, off the out of the gate here was don't do anything at the party that you wouldn't do in the office. Makes sense, right?
1: Yeah, and I think that you know that's that should be the motto of of every out of office uh, yeah, get right. together, right? Uh, and obviously, you know it, that's not to be taken. It, that literally um you know social events often involve some amount of of drinking and libations uh, yeah exactly so that is okay and we'll get to alcohol consumption as part of the tips as well but for the most part you know you should be asking yourself would i do this at my desk would i do this in the break room and if the answer is no or even if it's well maybe i would I would just err on the caution of not doing it at your <laughs> at your summer party, yeah. you know. Yeah. And the important thing to keep in mind is that the reason why I say that is because every work event is an extension of your workplace. Mm-hmm. So even if you're getting together, even if you're doing a whale cruise, even if you are at a bar or a park or whatever the case may be, it is essentially the same thing as being in the break room. all the rules governing employment relationships are going to continue to apply. And this includes importantly, harassment policies, number one, human rights legislation, work safe BC regulations, right? You're, you're not, um, operating on a timeout from, from the workplace where the rules don't apply, even though it feels that way. Right. And that's why people do loosen up and so many awful things happen at these parties. But if you misbehave at a work event, you will be formally disciplined on Monday. If you harass a coworker, you could be fired, you know, and if you're a boss, if you're a supervisor or in HR, you have the same duties that you always do to ensure a workplace free from harassment. So if you generally speaking, if you aren't going to do it on Monday at the office, don't do it on the Friday night party.
0: You know, the next one you brought up, and this one's interesting, and that is monitor alcohol consumption, because quite often it's, uh, you know, back in the day where companies, you know, they, they spent a lot more than they did. I know you've been through this. I've been through this. It was just kind of a free for all when you walked up to the bar. But even now, they might give you a couple drink tickets to uh, to get you yeah. warmed up, for lack of a better word, but you still got to watch it, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, monitoring alcohol consumption, yeah. both as an employee and as an employer, is probably the most right. important tip um you know and there are so many different ways that you can do that you know for employees i just think it's so important to to limit and monitor your alcohol consumption and i especially think that that's true if you are in hr or you are upper management or a supervisor yeah. of some kind because you do have an obligation to ensure that other people are behaving themselves, right? You are not just an employee there for the party, you are also going to be there in some capacity as a supervisor or as a manager. Yeah, set so the example, if you right? it will set the example and also make sure that you're keeping your powers of observation mm-hmm. relatively keen because yep. if you see something happening at that party, you may have an obligation to investigate that issue on Monday or even in the circumstances as it arises if it's appropriate. Right. Uh, another thing that employers should consider is, you know, perhaps not having an open bar um, or mm-hmm. you know if you if you must have an open bar just I I really think that no work event should ever have shots. Like it's, I just right, I yeah. that's just there's no reason for it. Right? Yeah, just no. add some soda add some Coke. You know, you don't, no one needs to be doing shooters with their boss. Um, But, but generally I think that not having an open bar just sort of sets the tone. Um, You can also have drink tickets, like you said, you know, give two to three to every employee with the rest being a cash bar, you know, or you can make the whole thing a cash bar and offer wine at dinner, you know, or if you want, you can have your holiday party, not at night, right? You can have it over brunch and, That automatically limits the amount of alcohol consumption that your employees will be uh, engaging in. So, I, you know, this is, I say this all the time at the Christmas, but the Christmas season, but just remember that no employer in the history of time has ever woken up after a company party and thought, you know what? I really wish everyone had been drunker. Right? No one's ever said that. Damn, nobody drank
0: enough. What a pleasure to this party was.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we may have all said that in university, but you know, not in the workplace. There's a time and place there's a time and place to to do those things and to engage in those kinds of behaviors. And I just think that unless you've got um you know, this makes me sound like such a downer, but unless you've got um, you know, an epic degree of self control, I just think that staying away from alcohol consumption and you know as an employer doing doing your part to limit it to help those people right. who don't have that self control is probably one of the most impor- important steps in reducing the likelihood of something happening at a holiday party that's going to get you in trouble
0: in your experience does that also branch out into the responsibility as an employer for getting those people home if you've provided drink tickets mm. and are you obligated to provide like taxi chits for them or or no or that's that's beyond the pale
1: Well, I mean, I do think that there is some exposure and liability for companies that offer an open bar that basically have an open invitation to get very, very inebriated and then don't provide at least some sort of mechanism or information for a way home, right? I think that, you know, a lot of companies will provide some form of taxi chits or they will have arranged, uh, you know, some sort of dial a driver or, um, a, a group discount on buses, right? Um, yeah. you can have blocks at a hotel nearby if you're doing it in gotcha. the city. Um, yep. but I do think that that is a very good idea on the employer to limit, uh, to limit exposure in those situations. Because, I mean, could you imagine you, you offer people the opportunity to get very, very drunk and then somebody gets in the car that the employer knows drove there and then gets into an accident. I mean, I'm not saying for sure that the employer is going to be liable for something like right. that, but it's going to be something that you would have to grapple with as an employer.
0: Yeah. It sure is. As we go for a few more minutes here, you got some time to call in, ask your question, 604-280-9898 or star 9898 on your cell. And uh, we'll get to Michael. Michael, thank you for hanging on, sir. How are you today?
2: Very good. Thank you very much.
0: Beautiful. What's your question, pal?
2: I have actually two questions. Uh, yep. Be as brief as I can. On the first one, um, I've been with this company for a couple of years. I'm in management. Uh, recently, I had to take off a few days on sick days. I was, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was pretty sick. And anyway, so I, when I got my paycheck, I noticed that I was short hmm. uh, from what I normally get. And so I phoned, the, phoned the, uh, the accountant up, and he goes, oh, well, that's because you were sick. So we, we did deducted it off your paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I'm just wondering, is that legal?
1: Yes, um, technically speaking, unless you've got uh, a contract that says that you get paid sick leave and you still have sick days, then they do not have to pay you for the days that you are not in the office. Um, One way around that is to use some vacation days, um, because then that way you can get paid for it. But generally speaking, there's no obligation to provide uh, sick pay in in British Columbia.
2: Okay, my second question is, um, every December... um, they they claim that the store that because uh, I work in a in a, in a retail office, so they say the stores have ordered enough, and therefore they don't require services for the last two weeks of December. So we have the option of either using our vacation days, or if we want to use our vacation days in the summer, then we don't get paid for those last two weeks in December. Again, is that legal?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, as long as they're giving you the correct amount of vacation time that you're entitled to under the Employment Standards Act, and that's going to be contingent on how long you've been there, they can dictate to a certain extent when you take that vacation.
0: That makes Still sense, Michael? There,
1: Michael.
0: It oh. looks like he's there. Maybe, uh, maybe we lost him. So it's everything he went through there is so far on the up and up, correct?
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. you know that, but it it is what it is. Um, employers mm-hmm. are allowed to sort of conduct their business the way that they see fit. Ontario actually gotcha. recently, only very recently, just changed their Employment Standards Act to provide, I think it's two days. Don't quote me on that. Two days of paid sick leave, but most provinces don't have paid sick leave, uh, right. and employers are allowed to set parameters over when uh, vacation time is used.
0: or star 9898 on cell. We had a call before. Lee, I want to bring our superstar producer uh, on air here. And Andrew, um, you had some details on what the caller was. They dropped off, but you remember the question, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I wrote it down. And so this gentleman, uh, he worked at his company for 13 years. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, He contracted throat cancer, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And as a result, he, he has difficulty speaking. He asked me if his employer terminates him for not being able to work, is he eligible for compensation? And his name is Dal.
1: Okay, oh. that's the and question. That's, yeah, and I'm glad that um, that you relayed that because that's that's a great question, and obviously very unfortunate to have something like like throat cancer. Um, there is a concept known as as frustration of contract, and mm-hmm. frustration of contract arises when you are permanently. Um, stricken with an illness or disability that prevents you from doing the fundamental requirements of the job. The key there is that it has to be permanent. So if that's true, if there's medical documentation that suggests that it's permanent, then, uh, then it can be a frustration of contract and you would not in that situation be entitled to severance. That doesn't mean that it's not a human rights code issue, uh. right? Um, because if they haven't fully reviewed everything that they can do to accommodate you, to put you in a you know non-client facing or non-speaking role, uh, mm-hmm. then that is something that can give rise to substantial damages under the human rights code. Uh, but that's you know that so that can be a big part of the of the claim. Uh, but you could also very well be entitled to severance, uh, in addition to human rights code damages. Right. If you, if there's no medical documentation, if there's no medical opinion that's been communicated to the employer that says that this is permanent. And, you know, oftentimes, and my hope is that this is not one of those cases, right? That, you know, treatment is going to be required, but that eventually there will be uh, a recovery of some kind where you will yeah. be able to return to your job then they cannot just terminate you and if they do they owe you severance based on I think it was Andrew said it was 13 years of yeah employment. 13 years yeah so yeah. so that's um you know that's a very sticky situation um, you know obviously that particular employee Dow uh, is going through a lot right now but it could be of some assistance to get some legal advice, nice and early, so that you are at least setting the stage for the possible human rights code right. complaint down the line.
0: Dad will reach out. Uh, by the way, 604-283-3123 to get a hold of Leah. Suggest you do at your uh, earliest convenience. Hey, Don, thanks for uh, for calling through this afternoon. How are you? I'm
2: good. How about yourself?
0: Good, sir. What's uh, what's going on with you?
2: So I got a question here. I'm, I'm a manager. Uh, we have a company policy that there is no bank time allowed. And I do work probably about 10 to 12 hours in overtime a week. Uh, Am I entitled to overtime? So,
1: uh, technically speaking, if you're a true manager, um, you know, in the sense that we would commonly think about it, you've got reports, you've got, you know, a certain degree of authority, then technically speaking, under the Employment Standards Act, you are not entitled to overtime. Um, but if you are not a true manager, if you don't fit that description, then um, then unless you've signed a contract that says, or unless the policy is very clear that overtime is not going to be paid unless it's been pre-authorized, then you are entitled to overtime whether you're paid hourly or uh, by way of a salary.
2: Okay. I see. Makes sense. Thank
1: you. You Yeah, you're very welcome. Okay,
0: thanks, Don. Appreciate the the call. Um, I think we've still got a a few minutes here. I want to get back to our topic, and that is uh, tips for company summer parties. Um, This often goes hand-in-hand not too uh, long after the alcohol has been distributed, and that is calling attention to inappropriate behavior. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes. That almost goes hand in hand with the alcohol yes. consumption, isn't it? That's right. Um, so uh, the important thing to keep in mind here is, you know, keep in mind the first tip, right? It is an extension of the workplace. So right. all of the same reporting and investigation obligations continue to exist throughout after work events. Similarly, for an employee, all of your same entitlements continue to exist through a work, uh, through a work party or work event. Remember, as an employee, you have a very basic entitlement to show up at your place of work and not be harassed, to not be made uncomfortable. That includes at a work party, right? Regardless of of the atmosphere or what (laughs) somebody's trying to tell you. Gotcha. Um, You know, it's important that you, anybody in that situation pays attention to what's happening at these parties. If you see or experience anything that's untoward or inappropriate, you should bring it to your boss's attention or, you know, at least write it down. You don't have to tolerate anything at a party that you wouldn't tolerate in an office. And so something doesn't feel right, you've got to let that individual know. Or let HR or your supervisor know. Conversely, again, if you are an HR member or a supervisor or a manager or the boss, mm-hmm. you know, you do have that obligation to investigate as soon as you observe, right? Okay. So if you see something happening at a, at a holiday party, at a summer party, um, you know, or even just an after work pub event, you have an obligation to, uh, to keep the workplace free from harassment and make sure that everybody's conducting themselves appropriately.
0: Let me get to uh, Scott here. Scott, you got about uh, literally a minute, pal. What, uh, what do you got in your mind? All right, a response
2: to an earlier call. I thought there's a little bit of vagueness in it. Um, if I'm full time okay. employed, and my employer is not, is my employer not obligated to pay me full time, whether or not the company wants to do an annual shutdown for two weeks and I'm not s- use my vacation pay?
1: So the, the question earlier was about whether or not they can say, you've got to use your vacation in order to be paid over the December period, right? Okay. And if you're right, so in that particular case, they can dictate when you take vacation. But of okay. course, if you have a certain vacation entitlement and you are entitled to an annual salary, you are entitled to that full stop over okay. the year plus your vacation entitlements.
2: So if the company says we're going to shut down for four weeks, I still get my pay no matter what
1: absolutely correct.
2: Okay, that was my question. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks, Scott. Appreciate that. Uh, any other questions, you know how to uh, to reach out to Leah, by the way, at 604-283-3123. Emails are help at employmenthour.com. We, uh, we got so much left to go. I think we'll save it for our next show as far as tips for summer parties. Because, hey, the summer's just started, really. So we got a lot of those to get through. And if we didn't get to your emails, we'll do that as well uh, next time. That email address, by the way, is help at employmenthour.com. If you haven't used it yet, you know, Leah did it almost off the top of her head with one of her callers because she can do that. As far as uh, gauging what your severance should be against severance, paycalculator.com takes about 30 seconds to use it either on your phone, your tablet, your desktop, your laptop, doesn't matter. It's absolutely free. There is a contact button at the bottom as well, and that'll give you a head start on exactly what you wrote as far as your severance is concerned. And to reach out and call Leah Lior, the rest of the team, you know that number, 604-283-3123. Till next time, the Employment Hour right here on CKNW.